Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. God is a refining fire. And this means a lot. Like, I, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I prayed a lot of really naive prayers. I got saved when I was 16 years old. This is my friend Tracy Hodges. Tracy, you can raise your hand. Tracy, you just happen to be here today, but Tracy was one of the guys praying me into the kingdom because I was a, a big personality back in my <laughs> day. Let's just leave it at that. And I really needed to get saved, okay? You can imagine all this not focused on Jesus. It needed a lot of focus, yes. And... Um, you know, when I got saved, man, I am, the, I am like the perpetual optimist. And I think maybe y'all are a lot like me where you just pray things. If you knew what they really meant, you probably wouldn't pray them. My God, just do whatever you want with me. Dude, if I knew what that really meant, I don't know. I would have just not done that quite so like, yeah, God, everything. You have my everything. Just do whatever you want. You have my heart. Just refine me, God. Change me, Lord. Humble me. Sweet Christmas. I mean, these are really good things. And they're like these easy to find, like the easiest to find passages in the Bible are all these ones. We seem to all know them, and oh God, search my heart, and find every wicked thing in it, every anxious thought, just find it all, and just root it all out, God, and just uproot me, and just put me anywhere you want. I'll go, I will go anywhere you want me to go. Lord, that means I will eat anything you want me to eat. I will live next to any creepy, crawly thing you want me to live next to. And as a good Alaskan, like, y'all, you better be careful praying that prayer. If you're Alaskan, you don't like creepy, crawly things. Because we don't grow up next to that stuff, right? We grow up to big stuff. Dangers are big, not small. And so you're like, I don't want to have some little small spider that can kill me. Some little bug that has five billion legs that can just bite me and I die. Crawls out of the, we lived in Texas for a while. A scorpion crawled out of the drain. Why? Go somewhere else. There's nothing for you in here. Oh God, do whatever you want. Dangerous, naive and oh-so-good prayers. And those prayers, they drive us toward the refiner's fire. That's what happens is we're actually so consumed by our first love with God, we fall in love with him. I remember when God crashed into my life, I so, fell so hard for Jesus. I just fell so hard for him. And, and, and it was like, bam, everything shifted. This huge hole in my heart and life was just void. This big void was filled with the love of the Father God. And it was like, God, all I want is you. And that came with a price. And I didn't know that was coming. I had no idea that my family would be so hurt by me choosing Jesus. 
And some of you heard some of my testimony, but they, they weren't, I grew up in a really good family. My family loved me. And, and when I got saved, they had no context in their mind for that. They, they were Baha'i. So like my family was a Baha'i faith family. So they lived and they worshiped another God. And they weren't ready for me to be all in with Jesus. Baha'is teach that all religions are a pathway to God. Lie. One belief in one God and in one Savior is a pathway to God. So a lot of Baha'is are open to salvation experience. And I had one of my uncles say, you know, man, I gave my life to Jesus. And he goes, it's kind of hard to come back from that. I go, yeah. It really is. And so I was open, and I had no idea that it was going to hurt my family so bad. So I experienced tremendous rejection from my family, and I wasn't ready for that. But I prayed, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to give up everything for you. And I didn't realize that would be part of the refining process, that I lost my friends, and I lost my relationship with my family, and that hurt as much and as big as the love experience was with God, the depth of the pain and the rejection I experienced was just as deep. And that was all part of God's amazing plan to refine me and shape me. There's this pesky little scripture in Romans 8. Where, nah, we don't have this one back there, so don't go search for it, it's okay. He, yeah, I got you. And it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love, who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But this little, tiny, pesky truth. Guys, this is gravity. This is gravity. You do not get to shift gravity. It will exist until you die. Your body shows the evidence of that every year you get older. They're like, I swear my cheeks were up here, and now they'd be down here. I think I'm going to be one of those big jolly jowls. And I know my, these eye thingies, I don't know why the Lord made them so. They're great when it's raining. They really are. And when it's really sunny, you know, you can just pull those. But I swear, I mean, I might have to, this might be the nip and tuck I need just so I can see. But those puppies are going to be, boom. I mean, I'll be just barely. Gravity's real. God's laws are real. The Lord is at work shaping you and me into his likeness. That hurts. That doesn't, listen, you're like, that sounds so cool. I used to read that scripture so naive thinking, oh, isn't that great? The Lord's shaping me into his likeness until I started to realize how much of his likeness I'm not and how much I like those parts of me that were not in his likeness. 
Are you following me? You're like, whoa, wait a second. Lord, that's not like you. I kind of like that part. You're like, oh, well, you might like it. He goes, hold on to it as long as you can if you want. So everything you hang on to, your beauty, your talent, your, 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 your fame, your success, your name, your identity, whatever it happens to be, or like these colorful ways you like to behave that you shouldn't, you try to hang on to them. I mean, it's like hanging on to something that is going to win all the time. It's too heavy for you. You can only hold a weight, a burden for so long until it slips out of your hand. Eventually, guys, y'all, we lose and he wins. He's gravity. His laws are gravity. His law of you and I becoming into his likeness is gravity. You're being pulled into it. You're, you're literally being pulled into the sun. When you think about that, the all-consuming fire of the Son of God, like the real ball of sun, if you started orbiting around it, guess what? Y'all gonna get sucked in, burned up. And if you're a young person out there and you think that infinity lions can defeat the sun, you're wrong. The sun, this is a silly argument our youth have been having for like two years. Infinity lions do not beat the sun. That was just for them. <laughs> Y'all, we become like him. And he burns up all the impurities and all the things. And our naive prayers are beautiful to him. Uh, we skip across these scriptures and we go, yes, Lord. As it says in your word, do that in me. I want that. I want that. And he goes, yes. Come closer to the sun. You're like, oh, oh, oh. That's really hot, Lord. He's all like, yeah. Isn't that cool? You're like, doesn't feel cool. It feels hot. And stuff starts to melt away. You know, um, I, I didn't realize when I had first gotten saved how much people hate Jesus. I never hated Jesus. I, I used his name in vain all the time because I had no idea who he was or what he was or anything. It was just, I heard my grandfather swear and use the name of Jesus and it was just a cuss word. I didn't know he was a person. I didn't know he was God. I didn't know anything about him. And then I met him as my Lord and Savior. And I remember the first time I used the Lord's name in vain, it was like, boom, I just got hit. Like, whoa, what did I just do? Like, and I, nobody told me not to use the Lord's name in vain. This is like in the first week of getting saved. I was like, whoa. The Lord's like, oh, I was like, you're a person. You're my God. You're my father. You, this is, this felt wrong to me. And the refiner's fire coming closer to the son of God just burned all of that language out of my life. It was almost instantaneous I cussed like a sailor. I grew up in a sailor cussing kind of family. Smoke, drink, chew, cuss, everything, man. <clears throat> and so, I mean, I was like, I was a swearing machine, man. I tell you that. And then God just burned it up. I got close to the sun and whew, it was gone. 
Not everything's been like that. There's been advances I've had to take, but I remember witnessing to people for the first time in my life and the rejection and the hatred people had for Jesus hurt my heart. When I hear people use the Lord's name in vain, watching movies or anything, I'm like, it still hurts my heart every time I hear someone use the Lord's name in vain because of how close he's moved into my life and what he has burned up and taken away. But in our early days and years of serving him, we make a lot of promises to the Lord and we get really excited about serving him and he casts a lot of vision for us Sometimes in prophetic words and sometimes when we're journaling and sometimes when we're just reading the word or sometimes when we see someone that we're like, oh my gosh, I would love to be like them or accomplish something for the Lord like they did. And we get hope in our heart to become something and do something for God and and be someone that is effective for the Lord and hear the Lord say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Oh, that I could stand before God and somehow with this hodgepodge of a mess that I am and and my efforts that God would say good job I'd be like really that was good I mean come on I'm trying but what I gave you is like was that good enough Lord did I actually do enough that I would come in and you would say well done good job because man it feels like a struggle it's a fight It's a fight, and it is a painful experience to be shaped into the image of God and then to become a useful person or a useful tool in the hands of the master. But a lot of promises and a lot of hopes and wants. I remember I was uh, just gotten saved, and I was uh, in history class, and I think I'd been saved all about 10 minutes or something. I don't even know how long I was a believer. And this beautiful girl sitting right in front of me in history class, I thought, I was like, oh, she loves Jesus. Wait, I love Jesus. And I'm not looking at any other pretty girls. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not the pretty girl that loves Jesus. And so I started praying, Lord, give me a godly wife. And she's sitting right in front of me. I go, how about that one? You know, I mean, I live out in Nikiski. I'm like, I don't know how many beautiful, godly women there are in the world, but I mean, this one's awesome. And so I start praying, Lord, just give me that girl right there. And so I start praying and asking God to do that. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opens this door. He goes, okay. And so this crazy teenage girl over here, Joni Pomeroy, falls in love with me. I'm like, did that just happen? How did that just happen? I'm thinking, ah, she is way too good for me, but I'm like, I'm a believer in the power of prayer now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling you, this is a testimony. If it happened for me, it can happen to you, okay? <laughs> and I pray this girl in, and then I don't realize what that means. At all. I'm 16 years old. I hadn't even been to a wedding, and I'm like, I want a wife. And the Lord, the Lord makes this happen. Somehow he opens a door. And Joni and I, we're both like what you would call in the personality profiles. We're like high D personality profiles. So like we're all gas, no brakes, both of us. But nobody's brakes. I hear my father-in-law laughing back there. He's like, yeah, you sure were. 
He had way more hair before I came into the picture. It was like, <laughs> I apologize. I apologize right now openly in front of everybody for everything I put you through. Sweet Lord. I didn't know what I was doing, but man, we had a lot of gas. We had all gas. And then the Lord's like, okay. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you serve me, she is going to be a perfect wife for you. But I had no idea what that would cost me. Because again, my family was not super cool on me getting married at 17 and signing for me so that I could be legally married. They weren't super cool on me going to Mexico for my honeymoon and my wife had to be my legal guardian. <laughs> True story. These are facts. I couldn't get in without my own wife. I never even lived alone a day in my life. Even to this day, I've always had someone, a caretaker. <laughs> and I apparently needed one, the finer's fire. But man, I married this fiery girl, and she is strong. Come on. I like strong. I like her strong. This is good. But that meant a lot of things. You know, the, you know what? I didn't know how much challenge I was going to receive in the first, like, five years of marriage from 17 to, like, whatever, 23 or 22. I was 22 when I was married five years. That's ridiculous. Okay. <clears throat> I can barely do math. They taught me in Nikiski how to do math. Okay, so I was like, I do Nikiski math, and it's on one hand and a finger. Okay. And that refinement that happened in that season of my life was tremendous. And I promise you, I needed a lot more refining than she did. And so it felt like just the Lord was just chiseling away. Then we had kids right away, because that happens. <laughs> Which I also figured out, I'm like, oh, children. <laughs> and now I'm a father at 18, I'm a father again at 20, and I'm a father again at 23. All gas, no brakes. Then I was a father again and again and again. We have six kids. And then we're like, maybe we should use the brakes. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to be 90 <laughs> okay. when we kids get out of the house. Best thing that ever happened to me. Hardest thing that ever happened to me was having kids. Amazing. And every hobby I ever wanted to have now laid on the altar, burned up in the fire. Bye-bye, he gone. Because I'm a dad. And the one thing I don't want to stand before the Lord and, he's, and, and have him rebuke me for is that I wasn't a good father to my children. I didn't reflect his nature to the best of my ability being present with them for them because I was busy with my hobbies. It was evident that choosing that pathway that I felt God had laid on my life required sacrifice and giving something up to be turned in or burned in the refiner's fire. Best decision of my life, hardest. Any of y'all ever ask your kids, what's it like to be my kid? I mean, you're, my, you're, yeah, what's it like to be my kid? I said that right? Yeah. What's that like? Being my kid, they're like, well, dad. <laughs> and some things are really great. Then other things are hard to hear. Are we willing to listen? 
That's the refiner's fire. That's the Father's love wanting to refine things in our life to help us be shaped into this thing that's him. And if we let go of those things, if we just lean into the refiner's fire, then the process goes easier. It, easier, but still not hard. But still hard. Easier and still hard, but not as hard. There we go. Let's go, hillbilly. But in the early years of all of our life, God is casting vision and dreams, and, and then he is leading us into things that make no sense of how he is going to make sense of our life. But he promises that we're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works he prepared in advance to do. He promised us he's going to shape us into his likeness. He promised that his will for us is good and it's pleasant and it's pleasing. And all those things that we do are going to, as we serve him, are going to work out for the good of us as we love him. He promises that. And that comes with a price. And when you're a young person, you might not know this, but God is misdirecting you purposefully. He is misdirecting you purposefully. God's plan for your life is nearly never a straight line. <laughs> it's nearly never a straight line. Right? It is, it, it's not from A, like, B, C, D, it just doesn't go like that. God is building foundations in your life. And he is building them and misdirecting you to transform you into his likeness. So if you're like me and you found yourself inside of a tank in full hazmat gear that you could barely get into, sucking out muck for 12-hour days, when you felt a call of God on your life, you know God is misdirecting you to build a foundation for something greater. When you find yourself on a fish site and, and you're cracking fish out of a net and you never get to sleep for two straight months, you're out on a fishing vessel, right? And you're throwing up every 15 to 20 minutes because you're not made for the sea. And you're out there for a month straight. God, how am I ever going to survive, Right? I don't feel made for this. I used to grind like tools with wire wheels just to prepare them for oil fill stuff. Grease and mud. And I don't feel like I'm made for this, but God, I'm thankful for this. Like I remember having those experiences for hours and hours. I mean, I just worked so many hours in that early foundation years. And then I would work a side job on top of that job because homeboy signed up for a lot of responsibilities. I can't remember not working two jobs almost ever because I had a lot of responsibility and that works something out of me and none of those things that I feel, oh, this is what I'm made for. But the opportunity that's in front of you, men, young men in the house, you're called to work. Young women in the house, you're called to work. You're called to pressure. You're called to pain. You're called to the refiner's fire. The world's trying to lie to you that says you're called to comfort. The world's trying to tell you that you're called to, oh, do a job you like. <laughs> Throw that thing, that idea needs to get thrown on the ground, get out your 12-gauge shotgun, <laughs> kill it. You're called to a life of comfort and ease, and y'all should be living in your parents' home. 
I'm just going to say something. If y'all are 20, get out of the house. Dudes, if you're 18, get out of the house. You can't develop as a man if you don't carry a load. And if your mom and dad are, they, they have all this stuff. You're like, and this is the problem with our generations now. We all like each other too much. <laughs> Something happened between the generations where all of a sudden, like, we all like each other. Like, when I grew up, I mean, I love my parents, but I was like, I can't wait to get out. I mean, I'm, I got out at age 17. <laughs> Y'all, get out of the house. Become an adult. The world needs you to grow and be mature, but you can't be afraid of the refiner's fire. It's for you. It's to shape you into his likeness, but you need weight. Parents, kick y'all kids out. You're holding them back. You're holding a generation back from the glory of God, from a move of God, because they're not carrying enough weight and doing enough work. They're not contributing enough. They're not doing enough to be refined, and you're holding them back. You're stunting their growth. Don't do it. If you're young in the house right now, get it in your mind. You're moving out at 18. Okay, do it for me. Do it for your parents. Do it for Jesus. Don't do it for your comfort. It will be hard. You will be living. When we first moved into our first house, do you know where we found our furniture? We found it in the moving boxes that we used to get to the place we lived in. So we, 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 we couldn't afford real furniture, so we took the cardboard boxes and we taped them back up. And then we put little tiny blankets that we got for free over them, and those were our coffee tables and our furniture. We found milk crates and we made like shelves out of milk crates that we got for free. We found a peed on stained up mattress by the dumpster and we put it down and we put something over so we could sleep on it so we weren't sleeping on the floor. Never mind, we paid six bucks for that mattress. Six bucks. Let's go. Six bucks. And that did something for us. Because now when I sleep on a, uh, like, I don't know, my bed is kind of expensive. Uh, it's one of those air thingies. It's like sleeping on a space shuttle bed or something. I don't know. It talks to you at night. How are you doing, Mr. Tanner? I'm doing pretty good. Are you comfortable? Oh, yeah, I'm comfortable. Okay, I'm going to just, just get to sleep now. And in the morning, I'm going to tell you how you did. I'm like, oh, that's great. Wake up in the morning, I'm like, hello, bed. Hello, Mr. Tanner. You didn't sleep so good last night. I'm like, I didn't? Nope. Next time, here's what I'm going to adjust so you sleep better. You're like, wow, I like this bed. It's better than that $6 peed on mattress I had. But I'm thank I, I appreciate that mattress. Because you know what? I worked two jobs to get that mattress. I'm telling y'all. And now it means something. The refiner's fire in your life, my life, will purify you. It will shape us into something. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, 
It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Just pause for a second. You and I, we are designed for our faith to be tested. Because when we're tested, we're purified. This is the process of how we're made into his image. And there's a reward for this. What a great promise. Verse eight, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. A reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. How beautiful. It's like this refining process was used and taught throughout scripture and it's a process we still use today. It's all super hyper modernized, but the basic process of metallurgy is just They throw a bunch of iron and ore or metal that they want to refine, gold or copper, and they get it into this smelting pot, and then they kick up a big fire underneath it, real hot. In fact, they would build these forges and and, and adjust them to the wind so that the wind would blow through them just right to heat up the fire so that the fire would kick up and then it would get so hot that all of the parts and pieces in its current shape would melt and change into a pool of liquid. And the hotter they got it, the more the impurities would rise to the top. In the Bible, it's called dross. If you ever hear this word dross in the Bible, then that is the impurities that, get, that rise to the top. Then they scrape off the dross, remove the dross from the metal, and it's then purified even sometimes again, over and over. And, and in this process, there is a ton of heat. And you know what the Holy Spirit represents in the Bible? See, Jesus, uh, John said this actually, and is that he said that, I baptize with water, but there's one who's coming who will baptize you with fire. So, and Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He is fire. I'm going to baptize you in fire. It's super cool. You get baptized in water and God washes off the sin and purifies you. Then you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's why there's two baptisms. Come on, y'all. Any y'all good Baptists out there? Come on, shift it. People have been lying to you for a long time. Like, I don't know about their struck in baptism. Like, Holy Spirit's in you? Cool. Great. You need fire. Because you are not refined. None of us are refined. The Holy Spirit shows up as God. And why it is left as a second baptism is because God, three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, leaves the third part of himself, needs to be identified and worshiped as God. And that's why he leaves us as a second encounter. It's all over in Acts. It's how it almost always happened. Two encounters with the Lord. Salvation, and then you have water baptism by choice, sometimes before or after you get baptized with fire from the Holy Spirit. But the wind was designed to come through the forge, just like the wind of the Holy Spirit is designed to come through you and your life as a forge to be heated up. The Holy Spirit will turn up the heat. You're like, Lord, what should I do today? The fire starts kicking. He's like, what should I do today? I love that prayer. The wind of God starts blowing in and he gives you an idea. I want you to go share your faith with your coworker today. I want you to give up your lunch. I want you to give up your time. Give up your money. In the time and the life with the Lord, you are going to follow him. And the more you ask and the more you give to him as your heart, the more he asks of you. 
to give up, the more sacrifice he asks from your time, your talent, your treasure, your resources. He just asks, and the wind of the Holy Spirit is always turning up the heat, guys. The baptism of fire. And he's removing stuff. In those processes of listening, believing, and obeying the Lord, he is refining our life, transforming our life. See, God has a purpose for the heat. Every forge and every uh, uh, factory or whatever where they're going to, like a blacksmith or a, a metallurgy place, is going to have a purpose for the thing they're heating up. God has a master plan for each one of us. There is a purpose to be refined. It's to be made into something that is useful, made into something that has purpose, that has destiny. And all of us know we're made for this kind of destiny. But are we willing to trust him with the fire? Come on, are we willing to trust him with the fire? Every artisan or craftsman has a design in mind before he heats up his forge. And your God is a master craftsman. And you're his masterpiece. And he's heating up the forge in your life for a purpose. You're like, why is it getting so hot? Why is there so much pain? He's like, hey, count it pure joy that you're going through a trial right now, that I'm turning up the heat because I will never leave you or forsake you. I've got a plan for you and it's gonna be awesome, but you need to trust me with the fire. That's hard to do. And he melts you and he pulls the impurities out and then he pours you into a new form. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm a sword. I'm a hammer. I'm a tool. I'm a good thing, a useful thing, out of this clunk of, oh, what a heck am I, into something God's shaped. And you know what the Lord will do is he'll shape you into something, and he beats and heats and beats and heats and beats and heats it out of your life till you're like, hey, we can use this thing for a season. <laughs> am I right, y'all? Any of y'all live long enough to be like, wait a second, we already did that, Lord. He's all like, I know, I know, I get it. But here's the deal. I don't need a hammer now. I kind of need this other tool. I need some pincher punker things, you know? And so, are you willing? And you go, oh, I don't know. That was pretty hot last time. Yeah, I get it. Come on. And then we go, okay. We jump in the fire again. And it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were radicals, and they were found themselves in an ex exiles in another land, and the king is like, worship me and bow down to my idols and gods, and they say no, and the king goes, anybody that says no, I'm throwing them into the fire. All the way in, an all-consuming fire. He goes, stoke it up like some X amount of times hotter than it's ever been. The whole forge and everything's like melting almost. People that just get too close, they burn up. And so then they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego inside this thing. And Jesus shows up in the middle of the fire. And they're like, are you willing? Jesus is saying, are you willing to trust me with the fire? Will you allow yourself to be thrown all the way in? Not just get close so that you melt and get refined. No, in the second season of your life, God is going to ask you, will you give it all? Will you jump all the way in? to God, not just the refiner's fire, the refining fire, but the all-consuming fire. Are you willing to jump in to the all-consuming fire? And what's amazing is we think, I'm gonna die. 
And nope. No, actually, God's faithful. Jesus shows up in that fire. And he's like, I'm in there. Everybody's like, what? All of a sudden, the test becomes a testimony. And I'm convinced that God won't ask you for the season of all-consuming fire until you're really ready, till he knows that you will make it. He will never test you beyond what you can handle. And I believe that when he knows your test will become a testimony, and all, even Nebuchadnezzar in that time, he goes, okay, those guys' God is real God. That's what he said. They walk out of the fire. It says they weren't even smelling like smoke. They come out and they go, who was in there with you? And they go, that was Jesus. I mean, I don't even they didn't say that, but I mean, everybody's like, like someone like the son of man. You're like, son of God, okay. Yeah, Jesus is in there with them. And he goes, hey, okay, new creed. Turn that fire down, new creed. Anyone who says anything bad about these guys is God, they go in the fire. <laughs> or no, I think he says, they pull them all in a bunch of pieces and then we break their houses into rubble or something stupid, you know. So <laughs> he has really, really bad ideas, okay. <clears throat> Are you ready? Do you trust him with the all-consuming fire? Will I trust him with the all-consuming fire that will cost you everything? Everything gets put at risk. All your hobbies, all your dreams, all your hopes, all of our money, all of our resources, titles, everything. Is it all his? Lord, I'll do whatever you say with this for you. And I'm even willing to be reheated rebeated, refined again to be defined into a new season. He always refines to define, define, to define you into your next season, to bring you into your God-willed destiny. He willed you into existence. He wills you into his likeness. He wills you into his shape. He will never leave you. He wills you. And he will never forsake you. He's not gonna let you fall. He's not gonna drop you. He's not that kind of God. He's not that kind of master. But it's hard to give it up. It's funny. It's just when we thought it couldn't get any hotter, he turns up the heat again. I, you know, a lot of you guys know that, I mean, I was going through a really hard season. Like, I think everybody is destined for a midlife crisis. I, I think, and it's because we think we've let go of things in our life that we haven't. And when the heat is as hot as we've ever experienced and the Lord's like, okay, we're gonna turn it up some more. Like, how am I gonna survive that? I feel like I'm just barely alive now. And he's all like, the point, that's the point, Josh. I don't want you alive. I'm like, oh, you don't want me, al me alive. You want you alive in me. And when the refining process comes out, that gold becomes so pure that it's transparent. And God's designed our life to be like transparent gold that reflects only his glory. That requires lots of heating and beating. It just does. When God shows up, it's like this, Malachi 3.2. But who will be able to endure it when he comes, who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner's fire of silver, burning away 
the dross. He will purify the Levites, that's us, the priests, that's us, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. God is a refining and all-consuming fire, and he wants to burn, burn it all up. Will you trust him with the fire? Uh, We are just, this last Friday, we were at First Fruits Friday, and um, it's amazing. Y'all should show up. First Fruits Friday, it's, we've been working on what is the Lord asking us to do, and Kristen and Joni have just been amazing, just pressing this forward and pushing prayer and giving this first Friday time just to the Lord in prayer. It's a refiner's fire time to just give up something in prayer to the Lord, and it's from eight to midnight now. It was all night long. We're giving up a lot. Now it's eight to midnight, and, it, and, and the, we did foot washing and communion and just prayed for hours and God was moving and the Lord was saying this to me and this is when he dropped in my spirit. He's like, Josh, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, this is a lot of heat. It's a lot of pressure. This is a lot of of just, this is hard. And and the Lord's like, will you trust me with the fire? I'm like, oh. And then Zach's song comes on, which I have heard before, but he his, instantly his song comes on that is called Faithful God. So if you haven't downloaded Zach's album, you should download Zach's album. He has an amazing album. He has written some incredible songs and they are so, so good. And all the time I'm like, you wrote that song? Yeah. Oh. That was your cue. You did really good. And but anyway, that song just started to minister to me. And the thing in the song, and I can't remember the exact lyrics, but um, there was this part in the song after the Lord had said that. He said that I'm a, his fire also protects us. And you'll hear it in the song. I mean, you wrote it, so you know the lyrics. But I was like, oh. And the Lord's like, look, I'm faithful. I'm going to refine you. Yes, I'm going to consume you, but then you're consumed with me. And you're going to reflect my glory and my fire when it's burning you up is also a protection for you like I protected Egypt. I mean, protected the Israelites from Egypt, the Egyptian army, right? He protected them with a pillar of fire. He followed them with a cloud and, 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 and by day to protect them from the heat of the sun. And then he protected them with fire. The consuming fire of God is also for your best good to refine you into his masterful purpose and protect you from the enemy and all the plans of the enemy. It's an amazing process. We have an amazing God that is all-consuming, but he is for our own good, and he is protecting and guarding and purifying and, and, and just a fortress and a fiery hedge of protection in and through and around us. What a beautiful God. What a beautiful, painful plan. Lord, could you come up with a better idea? Nope. Apparently, this is actually the best for all of us. And I believe that when we enter into eternity, it's going to all make sense. Because when we choose him, it defines love. God, I choose you, and I choose to respond to you and allow the pain and suffering of transformation into your likeness. I'll never forget it for all eternity. I'll remember what it was like to not be in your shape, image, and presence. And when I'm in your shape, image, and presence forever, and I chose my way there, and I endured the pain, the more you endure, the more you will 
respect and honor it just like the bed that you earned in your life and you're like, oh my gosh, I earned this $6 bed. I was thankful for sleeping on a $6 bed and I'm a heck of a lot more thankful for sleeping on the whatever $1,000 bed I have. Can't you remember? It won't free. And it cost me something and it was worth it. Every night when that bed talks to me, I go, thank you, Jesus. Every night, every day, every second, every moment when we're in eternity with the all-consuming God and his presence and love, we're gonna be, thank you, Jesus, for that refining fire. Thank you, Jesus, for transforming me into your likeness and being all-consumed by you. And I'm no longer in that sinful, unglorified, rotting body. Y'all, we get a glorified body in heaven and it's gonna be good. I'm gonna close with this last passage. And then Zach's going to sing his song. You're going to do it? He's going to do. He's going to try. Okay. I just asked him before the service. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that song. And he's like, dude, I haven't seen that song in five years or something. He's like, I'll give it a whirl. Okay. So everybody, give Zach some space, grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to close with this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, into this grace which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's the fire, guys. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Anybody in here? Ungodly folks? Come on, all y'all ungodly folks. Here we go. At just the right time, he died for all of us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, an ungodly Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified or made in just standing by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled or made in right relationship with him, okay, shall we be saved in, through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God has died and he is risen again. And he is coming to raise us all. We're singing this again. Like, ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to hold him down. Nobody's going to hold him and nobody's going to hold us down. It's going to be a huge party because we've been made right with Jesus. God is working his refiner's fire in all of us. And some of you are here today and you've never chosen Jesus. 
But Jesus came and he lived and he died and he was raised from the dead so that you could have life and so that you could be in his perfect love and his perfect relationship with him. No matter what you've done or where you come from, how bad or how messed you've messed up, even like Olivia was saying in her testimonies, like how could God really love me when I'm like this? God loves every single one of us when we were the dirtiest, nastiest, worst virgins of ourself. He does not want you to clean yourself up. He wants to refine you in his fire. He's saying, come to me, all who are heavy and burdened and heavy laden, all those whose hearts are heavy and broken. He's saying, come to me. If you haven't made this decision to give your life to Jesus, today is your day. Just do it. Do not wait. Don't hesitate. Don't let your ego get in the way, guys. Don't let your ego get in the way. It's gonna cost you, it's gonna be painful, and it's gonna hurt a little bit, and then it's gonna hurt some more as you give up more, and you don't know what's coming next, but it's for your best, your best life, your mastered, pre-designed uh, nature, and what God designed you for is in this decision to just choose Jesus, move towards the sun. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? Everybody around the room, if you're here, and you are saying, that's me, I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready to choose Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Will you stretch your hand up in the air? Be bold. Yeah, I see your hands back there. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. All kinds of people raised. Thank you. Jesus, I'm ready to just turn my life over to you. Yep. <clears throat> I'm done hesitating. I'm done holding back. I'm not going to live outside your will. Jesus, I'm ready to choose you. Anybody else? Come on, be brave. Your first step toward the refiner's fire is to, yeah, thank you. Give up your own, what people think about you, your own image. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Just pray this with me. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he is God and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I declare you are God. And you are now Lord of my life. Forgive me for my sin. Make me new. And change me into your likeness. Today and every day. As I serve and follow you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.